This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard. Alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good day, everybody. And joining us are the in the third of what will be our daily previews for each team in the NRL ahead of the season start. We have uh, one of the podcast favorite sons and diehard Canberra Raiders fan, Nick Campton. Hello. Good to be here, fellas. Always a pleasure to come on. Fantastic. And of course, guys, if you haven't listened to our uh, Monday or Tuesday previews with the Knights and Roosters, respectively, go back and do that. But uh, now it is Wednesday and it is uh, lime <laughs> green time because uh, we've got some... Um, We've got a lot of takes about the Raiders, don't we? I mean, Campo does it the best of times, but I mean, expectations are high in the nation's capital this year, I think. But before we get to that, Nick, um, how looking back at last year, how, what, what, how do you, how did you feel going out of 2020 and into this new season about the team? I, um, with a bit more distance, I felt really good about it. At the time, I was, I was quite disappointed in the way the season finished. I think I said this when I was on the pod last time, but I felt like they really overachieved given a lot of the injuries they had, but the performance they put up in that prelim against Melbourne was not representative of anything near their best or anything like the team that they had become in sustaining all those injuries and continuing to improve. If you'd said to me when Josh Hodgson went down that they were going to make the prelim and get knocked out by the eventual premiers, I absolutely would have taken that. And I do think it was a very successful season, but the way it ended did leave a little bit of a bit of taste in my mouth, not because they lost, because they're probably always going to lose to Melbourne, but just the fact that I felt like they didn't play anywhere near their best. That's a very minor quibble on what was quite a successful season. I, I think that's But fair. that's that's sort of how I exited 2020. Plus, you got a bit of revenge on the Roosters as well. Obviously, not quite. Yeah, that level, was nice. But it was nice, I'm sure. Um, of course so, it, was. it was a great win. Uh, looking looking into the the gains and losses for this year, I mean, maybe uh, we'll, we'll start with the gains. Obviously, the losses are a little bit more interesting for Canberra. But um, you signed Ryan James, a few other guys. Um, let's talk about Ryan James first. Do you think he even makes the 17 if Canberra at full strength? No, I don't. No, I don't. Ryan James is one of those ones. When Canberra signed him, I thought it was a really good idea. that They were buying low with a, on a very low-risk guy who could potentially be very high reward. And even if he couldn't be the player that he was in the past at the Titans, it would be very easy for him to become, you know, a really effective guy off the bench for a 35-minute stint each week. Also really good around the club and all that. But with the benefit of hindsight and the things that happened in Canberra since and some of the forwards that emerged, I probably would have rather them used that money on an experienced outside back, even if it wasn't someone that was going to start. I don't have any names off the top of my head, but just somebody that could have sort of given them a bit of depth and experience in the outside backs. Because right now they have a fair bit of depth. They have a lot of nice young fellas who I think will have an impact in first grade, but nearly all of them have less than 10 first grade games to their name. Guys like Sammy Valame, Matt Tomoko, Harley Smith-Shields and um, Albert Hopawati, they're all probably going to be first graders, but combined, I think they have less than 30 games. So I would have liked if they could have just maybe shored up the fort a little bit there, but um, I'm still expecting James to be very effective and having a shitload of really good front rowers can never be that bad a thing. Absolutely. Should have just signed James Roberts, mate. <laughs> I really, I really wanted that. I really wanted that because I know that I know that Canberra looked at Roberts when he was still at the Titans at the time, and I think it was either just before or midway through his M Centre of the Year season, mm. and they were sort of juggling up whether to go hard for Leilua or for Roberts. I ended up picking Leilua, which worked out for everyone. But I know Ricky was a fan back then, so I was kind of hoping they'd take the punt. And I think Canberra'd be really good for him too. Like 
just mm. the, like being out of town, being on a team with a lot of strong leaders and a lot of experience who have a good track record of getting good footy out of head cases. I think it would have been a really nice fit, but um, it didn't end yeah. up happening. Yeah, I feel like he would have been a good fit for you guys because also if it didn't work out, it wouldn't have cost you that much and you have those young fellas you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Top- you could kick the tyres on him for a year and sort That's of say, there you go. But you, like, your signings, your roster, I, like, I knew you'd made some good signings and some players and made some strides, but you put that roster down on paper now and there was like 25 first graders in it. <laughs> like, That's it. That's it. Saliba Havili is the third best hooker at the club. Yeah. Might not play more than five games this year. He'd start at Manly. He'd probably start at the Titans. At most other teams, he'd get a run off the bench because he can play hook around lock. And he's not going to get near it. Like Ryan Sutton's the same. He might not get near it, you know. Um, Corey Horsberg and Corey Harawira and Ira are both going to be suspended for the first week. And it doesn't matter at all. Because, like, you know, Sutton's going to come in. James might come in. Emre Gull is now guaranteed to start. Dynamis Louis is a fucking state of origin player. Like, it's just, <laughs> what a sentence in the year of our Lord 2021. Yeah, Joe, Joe Tapone took a leap. Like, you still have Sia. Yeah, there you go. Like, you still have, like, like Papali. Uh, we've, we've, gone, we've gone through all that, and that's the first time any of us has mentioned Papali. That's how yeah. much sort of strength Well, it's crazy, right? Because it's insane. You lost John Bateman, who was one of the best forwards in the competition in his debut season. He was pretty good last year as well, and it, and obviously that hurts. He would he would start for this team. He would be a part of this team if if it was at its strongest if he was there. But without him, they still look awesome, and they're still probably going to be right up there at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to see Hudson Young get the start on that um, on that right edge. He's a different sort of player to Bateman. He's a lot more orthodox. I thought one of Bateman's real strengths was. He can do things that not a lot of other second rowers would or could do. Like he can put a little kick in for himself or for somebody else. Or he'll throw a pass on his own 20-meter line to sort of engineer a long break. Hudson Young's a bit more straight up and down. But I still think he'll be really successful. We all saw how well he did when he started um, in the middle at the latter stages of last year. And if he can bring even a little bit of that footy on the edge, I think he'll be really, really effective. And I think he'll work really well with George Williams because while Bateman is really good, I also think he's not... He might not be the easiest back rower for a half to play with sometimes because he doesn't run a lot of lines or anything like that. He's not really set up to play that way. I think Hudson Young could be. So it could really bring more out of George Williams as well. Are you um, Obviously, Tom Starling was fantastic in the back half of last year and he exceeded everyone's expectations, I think. Um, I just want to know, what are your thoughts on Josh Hodgson coming back and, and are you still convinced that he is the, he is the best hooker at the club? Yes, I am. I didn't think Hodgson was having a great season even before everything um, went to shit with his knee. And I do think that not just Starling, but I think Whiten and Williams really blossomed without having Hodgson there just because they were forced to take a bit more ownership. And I think it's hard sometimes for hards to play with Josh Hodgson effectively or to gel with him effectively because he's just so dominant on the ball and he loves like really dictating terms and running the team around the park. Having said that, I still think he's the best hooker at the club. I think with a proper with a proper off-season to sort of think about the new rules and the way he'll be able to exploit stuff around the ruck, I think it'll do him a world of good. I, I, with the new rules, it's interesting. It was really meant to favour running hookers, but we saw it, it might have even favoured sort of crafty ball-playing hookers a little bit more, guys like mm. Cameron Smith or Appy Corusau or even Harry Grant. So I think Hodgson can definitely have that sort of impact. I think Starling's definitely got to be in the 17. I'd probably have him on the bench as my 14, even though he can't really play anywhere else but hooker. And I'd sort of have him use him the way they used to use Kurt Baptiste about five, four, four or five years ago, where 
Starling comes on, him and Hodgson can both sort of switch between hooker and first receiver a fair bit because Starling even did that a little bit last year when um, him and Havili were on the field at the same time. Like most yep. notably in that first game that he played against the Roosters, so it was the week after Hodgson got injured, Papali scores that great try from 25 metres out. He goes through off a Tom Starling short ball when Starling's just at first receiver. He's nowhere near Dummy half. So I'm, I, I do think it's something they can make work. It's just interesting to see how exactly it'll come together with Ricky, how exactly Ricky Stewart pulls it together. Yeah, and let's, I guess, start there then um, with, with these few questions that we're going to be asking everyone. Your expectations for the season, is it is it title town or bust for the nation? Yeah, capital? 100%. 100%. I, I feel like the premiership window is open, but this might be the last year that it's fully open. I know that mm. there's this feeling around some people at the club, maybe not so much in the in the, the football department, but sort of around, in and around it, that this is, this is the year. Because after this year, there are a few guys that are sort of getting a little bit older. There are a few guys who they won't re-sign on the same money they're on now. And they're all sort of looking at this year as like, this is it. This is the year. This is our time. Like 2019 kind of came out of nowhere. And they took a lot of lessons from that into 2020 and, and they and and they really played like one of the big successful clubs play. Um, but 2021, injuries permitting, anything less than a premiership would be would be disappointing. That's fair. Um, please try to keep your answer to under three hours. Um, some... <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Uh, are, there, are there any uh, veteran players you believe that are in for a big year? And again, please do not say the entire team. Well, the thing about the entire Canberra Raiders team is <laughs> the ones that are younger than me are my sons and I love them. And the ones who are older than me are my dads yeah. and they love me. And that's really important. So here's a full breakdown, maybe about 10 minutes per player of the entire top 30 plus the development players. Nah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I don't, you couldn't classify him as a veteran, but I am, I am getting sucked back into Curtis Scott. Oh, oh, no. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I know. I know, Mitch. I know. It's bad. You've got to save me from myself sometimes, but um, I can't quit it. The evidence we split there, mate. But we, we both were disappointed by Joe Tarpany for the first couple of years at Canberra. I think he's the one. That's all I think. Putting a full year together of how he played the last eight weeks of last season. Well, see, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of taking that as a bit of a fait accompli, you know. Yeah. I'm more thinking, I'm more thinking that that wasn't a surge from Tapanay. That was him genuinely turning the corner. Yeah. And that's the kind of player he's going to be now, or at least I hope so. Because as you both know, Joe Tappanay caused me no end of frustration for <laughs> years and years and years. And even as even late as last year when he was starting at second row, when Bateman was injured, he was absolutely killing me. Because like he's so talented and he's so dangerous out there, but he would just do a little dumb shit as well and a little lazy stuff in defense. And it just drove me to distraction. But when, when they had all the injuries and they really had to rely on him, mm. He was someone that really stepped up, but yeah, you don't like Curtis Scott, mate. You're still out on him, oh, mate. It's Mitch is a big back the blue guy, so he can't really get <laughs> on board. It, Curtis Scott got to slow my guys, Mick Fuller. Got to slow the boys. <laughs> mate, the tape was doctored. <laughs> um, I just can't get excited for him. I just can't. Maybe I'm happy to be proven wrong and and see him put the footy together. I believe in his talent for a long time, but. I don't know if I believe in the man as much as you know the, the talent that's there. And I'm happy to be proven wrong and it's the right club to do it at, but I can't get warm for him. Well, maybe maybe it's just one of those things where I want him to do really well because Canberra kind of need him to do really yeah. well. You know, that two to five is pretty skinny. And like, I love Jared Croker like a brother, but he has passed a certain point in his career. And I think Jordan Rapana kind of has as well. And Bailey Simonson is someone who's improved a lot in his time in first grade, but he's also coming off a shoulder, Rico, and he's only had a season and a half in the top grade, maybe only 
three quarters of a season combined matches as a starter. So they really do need a lot from Scott, but I've heard a lot of good signs from Camber. Apparently he's in really good nick. I think we can't really, we can't overestimate how big a thing that was hanging over him last year. Yeah. I know I, I, it was something I certainly overlooked a lot in my criticisms of him in the early part of the year. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's not a veteran by any means, but I think you're right, Mitch. There is a club that can sort of turn him around. I do think it's the Raiders and, Maybe I just want it to happen, but I think it could happen. You guys are yep. pretty good being patient with those, those kinds of players every years that aren't giving you the full returns and what you want, but you've been pretty good at being patient on them in first grade. Like last year when he played like 12 or 13 games, he was pretty bloody anonymous for that. But I reckon you guys have had a couple of, like, for a while. Like, you know, Jack White got a really fair run when he was killing you guys forever. Tarpane is another one. You guys are pretty good at being patient with guys like that. So maybe Curtis Scott can, can crack through. And you say he's not a veteran, but he's going to his sixth season at 23. He's been around forever. Oh, no. He, st- he started so young. He was only, yeah. I think he was only 19 when they won that. He was 19 or 20 when he won that comp with the Storm in 17. It was only like his 15th first grade game or something lunatic like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And on, on the flip side, I mean, uh, someone, a, a young player, this can be someone that was that has been in first grade or it can be someone that the listeners might not really know much about, but a young player you're looking to make a leap this year. Well, this is, this is a, a very sort of um, chalk answer, but I think it's either going to be Harley Smith-Shields or Matt Tomoko, who are both in line to take or to to step in for Jared Croker in that early part of the season when Croker's probably going to be out for a couple of weeks. I The club has really high hopes from both. I probably lean towards Tomoko being a bit more first-grade ready. The comparison that a few people from Canberra have given me is Joey Leilua, not in terms of his ball skills or his overall insanity, but in terms of his his work rate um, from his own end and the way he runs and his footwork as well, he's he's a he's a big um, Kiwi kid and he's quite light on his feet. I really liked the couple of games he played for Canberra last year. I think he had one game off the bench against the Dogs and then he was part of the Baby Raiders as well. And he seems to be to me to be a little more first grade ready than Smith Shields, who could probably benefit a little bit more from a year in the Reggies. But Matt Matt Tomoko is the one for me. Matt Tomoko is someone who, if Curtis Scott doesn't work out this year. I think Matt Tomoko would, who they'd be looking at as the long-term right center. So he's he's someone I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, you know, I'm quite big on Tomoko as well. Like last year, he's one of those guys. He's on, at that unfortunate age. At last, he's probably going to be really big for him in New South Wales Cup. Like he's 21 yeah, now. He spent two years in league. Last year was supposed to be that year he spent, you know, 16 rounds in cup or similar. He missed out on that year. But he was murdering Jersey Fleeg in 2019. Like one of those guys looks like when you watch it, you're like, oh, that's an adult, and those other guys are children. He was killing it in 2019. I think, I think he's one of those guys that I'm, I'd be happily to bet money on that he will have a good first grade career. You yeah, know, absolutely. Superstar, but very happily to say yeah, he'll be playing for a, you know the next five six years at least. So, I think the opportunity given by Croker is actually a good thing for you guys. Early in the season, you can cop losses and rookie mistakes. If he plays well, you have a decision with Scott and Tomoko to make, which is you know yeah, a good, good thing to have. have. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And in, in in a similar sort of vein, I really like the recruitment of Albert Hopawati as well. Yeah. Like Mitch, you, you you're someone you would have heard and seen the highlight reels of him in SG Ball. He's he's one of those kids who comes up with a highlight reel that is just like face melting, like it's it's un, unbelievable shit. And he's had a really rough run in the last couple of years. He's had back to back knee reconstructions, and that can really you know that can really impact a career long term. But I think it's just a really smart get from Canberra because just sign him, give him a year in the Reggies. And if there's if there's if there's something there, if he can still build himself into what he once looked like he was going to be, then 
you got him on the cheap and you're the club that gave him a chance. So you've, you're, you've sort of got the inside track to have him long term. I don't know if he'll play first grade this year. I don't, I don't even know if he's going to make the top 30. But I just thought it was a really good bit of business by Canberra. Mm. Yeah, he, he, I think he's one of those guys, you know, two, three years ago, he would have been called, you know, the, one of the best players in that age group. Yeah, I mean, he played. Was he? Did he play for Aussie Schoolboys in Union, or was it this? I think maybe he played Union Sevens when he was playing in league as well at the same time. Like he was, yeah, yeah, both levels. And um, you know, he's had what two season-end injuries pretty much the last two years. Manly, oh, I think twenty nineteen. I I think not. I think it was eighteen and nineteen. Yeah, and then he came back. He played, I think, the last five games for Manly in first grade last year. Yeah, but yeah, we'll see. Like again, another one of those great signings, and you guys are getting pretty good at that, giving guys a chance. Even there's not really a clear path to opportunity for Papawadi, but it just has to be something about what you guys do that players want to go down there now, like, yeah, to get that opportunity. Mm. I like that they're kicking the tires on Caleb Akins as well. Again, I don't really see a path forward for him, but you know, another guy that if he you never know, he might flourish in the right team. Hey, he can do he can do a job for one week in first grade. If exactly. Knows. Yeah, I think that's why they bought Akins. Yeah, do have some concerns about uh, Chance Nicole Clogstad's body holding up because Chance is a maniac who pushes himself incredibly hard and like goes for used to go for road runs on his days <laughs> off and lunatic stuff like that. So they are worried about how he how he holds up over a full season. But Aikens is like you know costs nothing, can step yep. in for a week or two. It's good business, lads. You know, agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you got circled on your calendar? Uh, oh, well, it's it's funny now that. Over the last couple of years, now that Canberra have become pretty good and pretty competitive, I actually really like the games against the other big teams. So I love it when they play the Roosters. I love it when they play the Rabbitohs. I love it when they play the Storm, even if they lose, because they just feel like really big games. Yeah. You know, and for ages and ages and ages, not many Canberra games felt like big games. You know? Yeah, no, like, I feel that. They were, big, they were big for us, like a round 23 game against the Panthers where the different where the winner was going to finish <laughs> 11th and the Blue to 14th. Like, that was big for me. But, like, now now I feel like Canberra versus the Roosters is big for everyone. I feel like Canberra versus South is, is, is big yeah. for everyone. So, they're <laughs> the ones I'm really looking forward to. It's it's not the phone zone Raiders getting one free-to-air game a year anymore. No, but, you know, I have some sort of perverse nostalgia for those days. Oh, I mate, really I'm the do. same. I look I, I look back very fondly on the TV week and the All Light and the Cinderella Man Rabbitohs for the, for the exact same reasons. I feel <laughs> Cinderella you. Man Rabbitohs. They've copped, copped seven the free-to-air games, by the way, and a lot of them are Thursday, Fridays. Like you've copped, I think, are they all Thursdays? No, you've got a Friday and a Sunday, but pretty much you've copped prime time seven times, which is not a Raiders See, thing. I do love not, that one. Not, I do love that one free-to-air game they get on a Sunday afternoon in like the middle of winter as well on Channel Nine, where they just talk about how cold it is the entire time and how well, and no, how well, the mate, visiting team can't handle the cold. Well, no, dude, if it's if it's Thursday and Friday nights at home in Canberra in June. Fuck me, son. Rug up. <laughs> you're, going, you're going north of the wall there. Are, are you suggesting that Cody Walker can't do it on a cold, windy night in Canberra? Mate, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I'm saying Cody Walker will attempt to dart down to the blind side and freeze where he stands. <laughs> April 29, uh, Thursday night, Raiders South down there. Oh, let's go. Oh, we've let's gotta, go. We've got to do it. Yeah, we got to do it. Get, get, my boy Imran, get my boy Imran Khan involved. Get, get, oh, get we're, the getting the band, we're getting the band back together. 100%. And only listening to that song, getting the band back together on the drive. No, down. that, and then Welcome to the Jungle from Goulburn to Canberra. That's fair. On repeat. That's, that's um, how it's got to be. So, obviously, given your earlier comments about Premiership or Bust, I think I can guess your grand final prediction. Uh, but for the sake of this exercise we're doing with all teams, who is going to be in your grand final along with Canberra? 
Uh, Souths. And if Souths win, I'm going to kill you. That's fair. It'll be a, a glorious death. Um, oh, don't don't laugh. I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Um, I've got the Raiders finishing. I'll blow up your house. I've got the Raiders finishing third and making the grand final as well. Mitchell. Yep, second and making the grand final. Mm. Um, it's, Notice it's we both weird. said making, Nick, not uh, not. <laughs> well, yeah, well, okay, well, I know, I, Bungos, I know what you'll say, Mitch. You'll probably I think he's got the same prediction. Though, one, I think you got the same do. one as. as the ah, well, yeah, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. Um, Don't... Uh, oh, fucking right, eh? No, I, I do. Th- it's kind of funny the evolution of the Raiders over the last years or the last decade. In my time knowing you, Nick, is that like five years ago, the good years were the anomaly. We knew they had them in them that they could finish. In the Twenty sixteen was challenge. a rare treat. There's a retreat, but now it's like the expectation, and that's just not being. Canberra can have a little finals football as a treat. Yeah, they can, but now it's like we expect them to be that team, not that thing. Oh, yeah, Raiders to get hot and make a run. It's like no, none of us happy to be there. Bullshit. You got to be making the run. They, Absolutely. I think they, along with a couple of other teams that we haven't talked about yet, is you're right with the window thing you said before. 100% agree. It, it, I, I actually think they've probably got next year as well, just looking. They're not really got that many key guys off contract at the end of this season from what I was looking at before. But yeah, I think they are primed for a big year this year and I think they should be there or thereabouts. Absolutely. Just two more things I want to mention yeah, go on. really quickly. No, go for it. I'm really hoping that we have a big bounce back season from Jordan Rapana. I thought he he was all yes, right last year, but like if, if you if you look at if you look at his footy in the last two years, going into 2019, he was coming off a really bad shoulder injury. I think he had a full reco um, from a from an injury he suffered playing for New Zealand at the end of 2018. And instead of being a normal person and going off for six weeks, he came back in round two, which is about four or five weeks ahead of schedule, and he wasn't fit at all through the entire season, but he kept playing anyway because, again, he's insane. And then he left the club after 19, after the 2019 grand final, and then didn't rejoin him until maybe two or three weeks before the competition resumed. So he hasn't really had a full preseason where he's been fit and ready to go for a couple of years now. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, like he's got a, he's, he's been around longer than you think. He's 31, I think now. So he is, he might be past the point, but I'm hoping that with a big full preseason, we can get something like the Rapana of old because the work rate's still there, but he just doesn't quite have the same impact. There are a few games last year where he'd have like 15 runs for about 130 metres. Like it was, it was, it was Aaron Woods numbers, you know, like the effort yeah. was there, maybe unlike Woods, but the effort was always there, but the, 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 Maybe the, the, the flesh wasn't as powerful as it once was. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right. So he wasn't we... like, sorry, he wasn't the winger who was creating shit out of nothing anymore. And he wasn't that guy who like out of your end from dummy half, you get 15 meters and he knocked two blokes over. There was yeah. no, like, he used to see, he, it, times have changed, but he was like the start of your engine was Jordan Rapana carrying the ball out of your end. Yeah. That's- yeah. It didn't help either that he left wing and right wing and he played a bit of full way. It was insane that he was playing center. Look, that was <laughs> I think that was just Ricky having the shits that Kotrick was leaving and he didn't want yeah. to play him at center. Yeah. Which, you know, I've got to respect the spite, but um, I'm hoping that if Rapana just has a good year on the probably on the left wing, I'd like him out there with with Croker eventually. But if he can just have a good season out there, get it, string some footy together, I'm hopeful we can see a bit of his best again. Absolutely. I think it's remarkable that we got through that whole thing without pretty much talking about Nick Kotrick at all. And we're still pretty as high on the Raiders as we could be. Talking um, about who? <laughs> your former son. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't have a son. 
Fair enough. Well, you do. You have a lot of them, just not that one in particular. I don't have any large adult sons. I'll tell you uh, that that's much. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, before we go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our Patreon subscribers in those top two tiers. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. And uh, once again, uh, without your support, we wouldn't be doing this preview pod and we wouldn't have potted all off season long. So a special thank you to Bert Andrews, Dave, Carlo Tyson, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, CTO, Warwick Ahern, an anonymous backer, Wayne Ritchie, Michael Murray, Ben Wallace, Frankie, Old Mama Bear, Never Trendy, Simo, Ty, Maddie McPee, Leon, Morgan Watkins, Harvey G, Jace G, Thor Laycock, Roxanne Clark, Cam Beswick, Maddie Jenkins, Dan Cullinane, Tom Hardy, Josh Brandon, and Jason. I can't say that I can barely say them all in one breath anymore, which is a great sign for the growth of the show. Nick, how do you feel about being one of the only people to know who the anonymous backer is? <laughs> Privileged. The, the power is intoxicating. <laughs> if we get All three right. more patients this week, we're revealing the anonymous backer. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can, and there's nothing you can do about it, unless uh, the anonymous backer sent like resubscribes to the Patreon somehow. Yep. Um. Obviously, if you don't already follow Nick on Twitter, it is at Campo37. Great bloke, funny bloke, great follow, great writer, of course. Um. But if you need a Daily Telegraph login, just DM me. I'll share share mine with you, so you don't give them any more money. Um. <laughs> please subscribe. Please give me money. Um. Uh, yeah. Just. You know, name on stories please click on them and read them from as many different devices as possible um if you want to give me money for writing things about footy that would also be great like it's always good to earn some extra cash um shouts to shark dave bones love you all yeah i'll be i'll be back his name is. <laughs> i'm not dead <laughs> yeah all right thanks again for coming on mate we really appreciate it say goodbye bye and say goodbye mitchell goodbye mitchell that's goodbye from me